and welcome to Build Momentum, where we make PR easy for education organizations. We're so glad you're joining us today. We couldn't be more excited to dive in and help education organizations achieve bigger results with PR. In this podcast, our goal is to make PR easy for nonprofits, startups, research institutes, and schools. You can count on learning how to develop simple, replicable PR strategies and how to execute on those strategies. I'm your host, Sarah Williamson, and I've spent the past 15 years working in public relations where I've been able to understand what works and what doesn't when it comes to PR and how to land results that build your credibility. I will share my tips for success and interview others who have done the same to provide you with a PR framework that you can use within your own organizations. If you're looking to increase brand awareness, to enhance your profile and stand out from the crowd, and you want to learn simple, actionable strategies to do it, you're in the right place. If you haven't already, be sure to check out my latest free guide, how to write a killer case study, even if you don't have data. You can find it at casestudy.swpr-group.com. That's casestudy.swpr-group.com. Okay, so let's dive into the show. On today's episode, I'm so excited to share that we have the pleasure of chatting with Dr. Keisha Ray. I've been following Keisha's career in EdTech for many years now, and I've been inspired by how well she's leveraged her success to become one of the most influential leaders in K-12 education today. Her career spans from designing technology within the Frist Art Museum and directing technology research through Vanderbilt University School of Medicine Science Outreach Programs to being appointed as a turnaround agent by the Tennessee Commissioner of Education and establishing award-winning instructional technology programs recognized by the United States Department of Education and Harvard University. Dr. Ray was named the top 20 to watch by the National School Board Association, Woman of the Year by National Association of Professional Women, a top 10 ed tech leader by Tech and Learning, an ISTE Making It Happen recipient, and most recently, she was named a top 100 EdTech influencer by EdTech Digest. Okay, wow, that's an impressive bio, and it's also one of the main reasons I invited you on the show today, Keisha. We're so glad to have you. Oh, thank you so much, Sarah. I follow you too. I'm oh. I'm, a, I'm a groupie. Oh, uh, thanks, girl. Love yeah, it. absolutely, sister. And I was honored to get the call. Actually, I was like, oh my gosh. Sarah's called me now. <laughs> oh, <I'm> happy! <laughs> Thank you. You're making me blush. Mm. Okay, so I know I just hit the highlights in your bio, but will you share just a little bit more about how you first got started in the ed tech world? But go back to the beginning and just kind oh. of run through how this all began. Well, we had stone tablets and <laughs> technology. Now, actually, I did enter pre-computer age. Um, I started teaching in the early 80s and computers were not really a thing. Mm-hmm. And um, so my first few years of teaching, I had the opportunity to to have a write, it's called, it was called writing to read lab. And it was a computer lab that was uh, set up to help students learn how to write and hopefully develop their reading skills through writing. And I was teaching uh, back then we had seven to 12 
grade schools, which were a nightmare. And <clears throat> I was in one of those schools and I volunteered to run one of those labs. And it was enlightening. And I saw the power of technology at work. And I saw kids who had disengaged from learning, who were not interested at all in writing or reading for that matter in their upper grades, um, become enamored with the, uh, with what writing could do and how they could tell their stories and how they could do it using a computer kept them from seeing their, what they felt was horrible handwriting. And so they, they just, they became fully engaged and it changed, Mm -hmm. it changed the world for them. And then a little bit later in the nineties, again, the early nineties, 93, 94, we had some money available uh, that's no longer available. It was called E2T2 money. And each state could spend that money however they wanted. The state that I was living in at the time decided to create these classrooms that were, they called them 21st century classrooms. And so I was picked to be one of the 21st century classroom teachers. And that that changed the whole trajectory of my career because then people started coming into my classroom and seeing how I taught with technology. I had a big 32 inch, like massive television on a massive <laughs> roller device that you know, uh-huh. part that we had to roll it around. You had to keep kids away from it. Cause you didn't want to fall and like hurt them. <laughs> but you know, that's, those were the days and that's, that's really where it got started. And I think my, my, my honor and privilege is that I started my career when I did, and I was on the very beginning of this technology revolution. And I was one of the, you know, teachers who leaned into it and said, Hey, this can really make a difference if we do it right. And I just tested that all the way through my career. Yeah. What a great story. I love that. So our listener audience is really a group of, as I mentioned, nonprofits, education organizations, startups, think tanks, and school leaders. And one of the main questions I have too, in addition to my listeners, as it pertains to your career, is really about how do you think you've been able to leverage each opportunity to really increase your awareness and increase your profile and promote your either yourself or your organizations that you're working for. Mm. And in addition to that, what do you recommend would be a first good step for these organizations to take? Oh my goodness. Girl, I didn't even know I had a brand until somebody said. (laughs) (laughs) You do. You definitely And I was like, what? I have a brand? They're like, yeah, you are the brand. I was like, huh. But I'll tell you what my probably tenants has been my whole life is something my father taught me, which is face value. You know, people only know you from the moment they encounter you. And, you know, you've got like five minutes to show them what your value is as a relationship, as a friend, as a colleague, as a partner, as a whatever, And if you don't sell it, my father was clearly in sales. If you don't sell it in five minutes, then you pretty much lost your chance. And the other thing he taught me was consistency. You know, you got to be the same person, whether you're working with, you know, construction group of people or a group of teachers or a group of 
um, parents or you, know, you can't, you can't be a different person to different groups cause you can't keep up. Mm-hmm. So I've just always pretty much been authentic to me and my passion. You know, I've always wanted to be an educator ever since I was a little bitty kid. And I've always wanted to make the world a better place through providing rich educational opportunities to children. And uh, that's, that's how I roll it, anything that I do. If, if the company or if the nonprofit or the school district has that same driver, then I'm in. But if, you know, if they don't, then we're probably not meant to be partners. I think the first step is that authenticity to, you know, to your, your purpose. And if your purpose is, I work with a nonprofit in Omaha, which is um, an education foundation. And uh, the team that's there are so, so authentic to the mission and vision of that nonprofit that during COVID, when things have been really rough, they still, they're still keeping the lights on. They're still doing the work. They're still staying on mission because they have that level of commitment to it. And they're known in the community because of their commitment to the mission. And you get what you get, no matter where you see Toba, you're going to get the same Toba. And I think that's just like me. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I was going to ask you what advice you'd share on how to build credibility and establish yourself as an expert within the ed tech niche. But it sounds like you almost just answered that yeah. unless you want to elaborate on it with consistency. Well, I mean, I think that consistency and just the work that you do always put your best into it, which isn't always easy because a lot of our work is time bound and we don't have a lot of time sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, and so sometimes you get the urge to shortcut and do a little bit less than than what you want. And I, I work with uh, New York City Department of Ed and she'll always say, don't let perfection get in the way of good enough. Yeah. <laughs> and then she'll say, but make it perfect. You know, like, right. but don't, like don't make it good enough on the like low end, you know, make it like, you know, stellar good enough. Um, right. And I think that that's probably what my credibility has been over time is just kind of that consistency in um, the kind of product that I can put out, whether it's redesigning a school or a district or um, working with a company, Um, you know, everyone knows they're going to get my 110%. And I think that helps establish credibility too. When people see your level of commitment to, to the cause. I love that. And I love that you just mentioned just get it out. I mean, yes, make it the best you can make it, but a lot of people get hung up on, Oh, you know, it has to be the perfect, absolutely perfect branding has to be, this has to be perfect action, you know, will lead to more action and better results. I think no one is ever going to have anything perfect. Yeah. We're not perfect people. So I mean, we yeah. just have Think to be all brave. The YouTube influencers that are out there today that do it on their phone with no, like nothing. No. And they've become mega influencers. I'm like, how do they do that? They have, no, you know, they have no script. They're just, you know, off the cuff and everybody listens to them. So, no, it's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't let exactly. perfection get in the way. Get in the way. Exactly. It's being authentic. Mm-hmm. So 
We've talked about how you've been become successful, but what are some of those lessons learned along the way or challenges that you've overcome that maybe others could try to avoid? Yeah, I'm going to say probably the biggest challenge that I've had, especially as I have come out on my own as a consultant, mm-hmm. is uh, knowing my own value and commanding it. Yes. And um, I think that's not to say women aren't good at it, but we kind of are challenged sometimes, thanks to our phenomenal society, who's sometimes put us in a little bit of a space. And we don't do a good job sometimes of, you know, stating our value and then commanding it. And we'll, we'll waver a little bit. And, you know, the last years that I was working in a school district, I had a colleague come to me and say, and we were peers. And he said, you know, I hate to tell you this, but I'm making $30,000 more than you. And I have a bachelor's Mm -hmm. and you have a doctorate. And he's like, if you want to go to HR, I'll go with you. And I'm like, thank you so much. I don't even know how he found out, but I was happy he did. And they made it right. They, I don't even think they they didn't even know because some, so much is based on history in school Mm -hmm. districts. Like we've always paid this, this much. Um, But they, they absolutely made it right. And I was very happy for that. But it taught me that, you know, if I didn't feel confident in kind of raising that flag and saying, hey, it's been brought to my attention, they would have been okay to not pay me mm-hmm. <laughs> what I was worth, or it's certainly what my colleague thought I was worth. And I think that's probably the biggest challenge is just kind of making sure that you're earning what your true value is and, and recognizing what your true value is. Oh my gosh. So important. I'm very passionate about that as well. Yeah. Asking for what you're worth. And I heard one person just say, whatever you think it might be, add a zero to it. <laughs> I love that because you just re- really need to be passionate about asking for even more than you think you're worth because chances yeah. are you could be undervaluing yourself. It's true. It's true. I've actually had friends tell me that. So mm-hmm. But at the same time, I feel I'm very kind of mission driven too. And, you know, at the end of the day, I have to be comfortable, like going to bed <laughs> and living with my conscience. So I try right. to keep it as fair as possible for everybody. Mission with a margin. I yes. love that. Ooh, hashtag that good one? I know. I'm going to do a podcast episode on that coming up in a couple of yeah. weeks. Oh, good. Yes. About how... We really need to feel comfortable um, having a mission, but also making money because the more money we can make, the more money we can put toward that mission. That's true. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. And, and what we do sets precedent for ladies to come. I have a one-year-old, so I want, I have one-year-old little girl and I want her to feel confident in knowing what her value is and asking for it. Plus a zero on the end. <laughs> Plus and, a zero. I love yeah. that. And, um, I, you know, I want her, I, you know, I got a responsibility. All of us who uh, mentor young women have a, mm-hmm. have a responsibility to break through the glass ceiling on their behalf. Somebody's building a glass ceiling right, ceiling right above that one. So it's not like there's, you know, you get through one and you're done. It's a continuation of glass ceilings. 
Yes. Busting through, but um, we have that responsibility that's on our shoulders. That's great. So if you could tell your younger self one tip about succeeding as an ed tech thought leader today, what would that be? Like, what would you tell your daughter? (laughs) Well, (laughs) uh, she is a little young, but she is a little young, but I tell her to be confident and confident yet humble. You know, I mean, you don't want to have this level of confidence that separates you from people. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to, I like to be real with people and I want to feel like I'm approachable. And I felt like that, you know, when I was young, when I was in school, we moved 14 times. I went to four different high schools. And what you learn through that experience is extreme isolation and how to navigate complete strangers (laughs) on a day-to-day basis. And I think that that experience actually has, has helped me because I, I kind of never meet a stranger now. And the tip that I would give my younger self is don't be afraid of your fear. Like what you fear now will become a strength in your future. Are you an education leader, the leader of an ed tech company, or a member of an organization supporting education? We continue to hear from leaders like you who have a story to tell, a message to share, or an important initiative that needs greater awareness. Three years ago, that's exactly what we heard from Doug Roberts, the CEO of the Institute for Education Innovation, when he approached SWPR Group. This led to the launch of a groundbreaking new award that was unlike any other in EdTech. The Soup's Choice Awards, judged exclusively by K-12 superintendents, set IEI on a path to market dominance, increasing vendor partners and superintendent members by more than 30% year over year. Jamie Candy, the CEO of Edmentum, shared with SWPR Group the EdTech company's desire to tell district success stories and to elevate the leaders behind their organization in a more thoughtful and strategic way. Throughout the past two years, SWPR Group has established consistent and regular media coverage, authored compelling op-eds, and secured interviews highlighting success stories while also inserting momentum into timely topics like AI with national reporters. At SWPR Group, we provide public relations, communication strategies, and thought leadership support for today's change makers and the brands they champion. We work together with our clients to bring their mission to life by consistently delivering high-quality content, creative communication strategies, and transformational results. What story do you want to tell? Reach out to us using the link in the show notes or visit our website at swpr-group.com. Yes. That's great. Okay. And are there any specific education or otherwise organizations that have helped you throughout your career? Well, now, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't mention ISTE, Mm -hmm. Uh, the International Society for Technology and Education uh, is a really phenomenal organization. I've been a member since the nineties and was, had the opportunity to be president for uh, several years and absolutely love that organization today. I still do partnership with them. I'm a fellow and, you know, they do a lot of great work and uh, especially in ed tech. And then, you know, another organization 
that I found incredibly helpful is Digital Promise. Um, mm-hmm. Karen does a phenomenal job of um, doing, you know, good research, bringing together communities, networks of people, effective practices, and then, you know, finding funding to support really great programs. And then the National School Board Association, and in particular, our local Tennessee School Board Association, it's been a great organization. I just talked to them today about some of the challenges that I knew districts were encountering around digital curriculum, and they're on it. They're like, what do we need to do? I'm like, well, we need to talk about pricing and da-da-da, and they on it. They'd already talked to legislators. I gave them three states to talk to. They've already contacted those three, three states, so they you know, they put, they, they go to action immediately. So Mm -hmm. those are just top of mind today. I work with so many wonderful organizations and, you know, nonprofits across the country, AIR, Mathematica uh, are great organizations, both research oriented, but really wonderful organizations to affiliate with. And they put out really great work. So, uh, so much Sanford Harmony. Uh, They have a great, SEL curriculum they've put out and great SEL resources, especially during this time. Um, And they've done phenomenal work on that. It's all free. Common sense. Yeah. Common sense media. Um, I am on some of their committees and partner with them on uh, trying to get their wide open school in districts. And they have a tool, wide open schools that, Uh, has put together a lot of free resources for schools to make available to parents and to teachers. They're, they're on top of making sure resources are available and at no cost. So I love working with them too. I love that. That's fantastic. I'm sure I'm leaving them out. I know I am, but. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. That's awesome. And then, okay. So to summarize, let's say, what would you say are your top three suggestions for standing out in a noisy crowded space, like education? Well, I think that is important if you're, especially if you're a company or nonprofit that's trying to partner with a district to pay attention to kind of where the district is, what their schedule is, what their needs are. A lot of people, for example, I work with New York and they're starting school. They've been starting school last week and this week, and they've got a, you know, multi-phase approach to you know, start a school, but to, to want to make a phone call or get a meeting with that district really in within this, the last two weeks and certainly through the next two or three weeks is not feasible. It's not even a reasonable ask. So just kind of pay attention to what the districts are doing and what the, the tenor is in the district before you, you know, try to get a meeting or try to go in. And then if you're just trying to kind of get your messaging out, what I encourage people to do is to be consistent, but not be overwhelming. You know, if you send me an email every other day or even every week, I might not check it. I might even just automatically stick it in my junk folder and just send you right there because it's going to get on my nerves. But if I know that what you send to me has, you know, really good information and it's, and I can count on it, like every time I open your correspondence, it's got good pieces of information and good resources that I can count on every time and it's not noise, 
then I'm going to prioritize that. I'm going to flag that to come to the top of my inbox every time it comes in. So I think just be kind of diligent in the communications that you're taking on and then be responsive to where districts and higher ed is right now and what your expectations are. Such great advice. That's perfect. Thanks, Keisha. And I know you just launched your own podcast with Tech and Learning. Do you want to tell us more about that and where my oh, listeners can find it? You, Yes. Um, well, it's called Tech and Learning Honor Roll, R-O-L-E. And it is, uh, it is a podcast about fierce and formidable women. And we, our very first guest, we've already interviewed, and that's Angela Meyer. And we have a whole slew of really strong, impactful women lined up to interview. And um, it will come out every other week, and it will be on the Tech and Learning website and then cross-published on the K20 Connect website. But we're very excited about it. I love one of the things I did when I was ISTE president was started a, a women's group. And this has given me an opportunity to partner with Tech and Learning to kind of expand that and lift the voices of women up, especially women who have had such an enormous impact in education. We think of education as being a female dominated world, but when you look at higher education and when you look at the top tiers of it, not so much. And especially when you look at industry, hardly at all. So we're really trying to highlight the Shiro's. I love that the Shiro's. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. Mm-hmm. So we will have to You're check it out. Then, aren't you? You said you oh, would. Absolutely. You just let me know when and where I'll be there. Yes. So is there any other way that people should try to reach out or connect with you? What's the best way? Yeah. Um, well, if they'll check out my website, it's k20k20connect.net. All my contact information is there and you can schedule a meeting if you'd like. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn at Dr. Keisha Ray. And you can follow me on Twitter at Keisha Ray. It's all of those social places. All the social places. Wonderful. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us today. This has been such a great episode. It is only my second episode, but I think it's my favorite so far for sure. (laughs) Thank you. I loved having you and I absolutely love getting a front row seat on the journey to other success, especially powerful women like yourself. So I know our listeners are going to appreciate it and all the great insights and advice you provided were really helpful too. So thanks again so much for your time. It was an absolute delight chatting with you, Keisha. Same here, my friend. Thank you for having me. Yes, of course. And don't forget to grab my free guide to creating a killer case study. Even if you don't have data, we walk you through how to do that. Again, that's available at casestudy.swpr-group.com, casestudy.swpr-group.com. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and write us a review on iTunes or Spotify or whatever platform you choose to listen to. We will be back with another episode of Build Momentum next week. Thank you so much. And I hope you have a great one. Bye.